Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. For those of you online, welcome to Lifehouse uh, Live this morning. God bless you. For those of you that are here in the house, that balcony, this first floor, you may be seated. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you for saying yes to the quickening, the invite of the Holy Spirit to be here celebrating this morning in the house of God. We were like, we're on our 10th uh, sermon series here, and I think we're going to probably finish today. This is our end uh, of this sermon. We've never had, or the sermon series, we never had a sermon series go this long. But our team, we get together every Monday, we review what God is saying, what God is doing in our Tijuana TJ campus. Thank God for our Coachella Valley campus. Tijuana Pastor Otoniel uh, is doing a great job in a growing work there right across the border. There are great things that God is doing, and we thank God for your faithfulness, uh, for you just embracing the opportunity to serve, uh, to say yes to God, to grow. Um, God's called us to lead thousands of people to know God, because when somebody knows God, they know the truth, and the truth sets people free. How many say amen? Uh, we're on a journey that's a growth journey, because when people grow, you discover your purpose. Paul says, when I was a child, when I was a child, Paul says, I thought like a child, I actually talked like one and I judged like a child. But when I became a man, when I grew, when I became mature, I put away childish things and Paul discovered his purpose, that he was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So that's what God has called this church to do, is to lead people, thousands of people in our different campuses, through the different mediums, different platforms, to know God, uh, to grow in community, to grow together, and then to go serve. Because when somebody goes, they're following that great commission, they're making a difference, and we are together changing our world. You perhaps, and I don't have perhaps the influence to go, to be far-reaching, perhaps we do, but you never know the trickle effect, but God can call you and has called all of us to change um, your world, your orbit, those people that God has put in your sphere of influence and uh, your, sphere, your sphere of authority. Uh, I want to, just before we go into today's message, appreciate what God is doing um, in not so subtle way in our country. Most of the time, most of us that are Christians, most of us that, that, that have the word of God as our, as our foundation, uh, we live, we breathe, we, we believe the convictions, our principles, our core values are derived from the, from the word of God. That's how we walk. That's how we talk. That's how we interact. Um, that's how we vote in our voting, uh, you know, in our voting opportunities. We vote our values, our Christian values. And uh, all of you are aware of uh, June 24th, uh, the Supreme Court uh, made a, a tremendous monumental uh, decision with respect to Roe versus Wade. And uh, they, they basically abolished it or they overturned it. How many say amen? It's uh, probably almost 50 years, 50 years of what I believe, and most of us, I believe, those of us that are believers that, 
that that was a stain on this country. And it doesn't mean that it's not still viable in many states, but at least from, from the federal uh, perspective, um, you know, it's, it's not a constitutional right. It never was. And I just feel compelled to share that with all of you that we need to pray for this country. How many say amen? Uh, we need to pray for the leaders that God has placed uh, in every area and every level, federal, state, uh, county, city. Uh, for those of you that are serving at different levels, uh, boards, um, that just that God would give you wisdom and influence, that you would be that righteous uh, light, that salt and the light of the world. And, and so I just, we, we need to continue to pray. Uh, you know, it just, it boggles the mind. It saddens the heart. It's a stain on this country's, uh, you know, soul that in the last 49 years, almost 50 years, uh, 60 million children have been aborted. 60 million. That's, that's, uh, that's a, a quite a, just an um, unfathomable uh, tragedy. And I, I just want to uh, just have all of you pray for this country. I pray that you are a pro-life. You're in God and you're in favor of life. And regardless, I'm not, you know how I very rarely get political. I, I, I try to respect everybody's fear of influence, but, but I felt compelled today just to, just to thank God and have all of you guys, everybody here, pray for this country, the soul of our country. How many say amen? Amen. Amen. So for the last 10 weeks, we'll finish today. We've been talking about dare, dare to connect, like dare to go beyond the pale of what your norm, what you're used to in terms of connections are really the key for your future. I'll say that again, the right connections are the key to your future. The right connection to God, first and foremost. If you've missed that connection, if you're not in right standing with God, if you're not pursuing his will, his grace, his favor for your life, then everything else is, uh, doesn't matter. It's just, it doesn't matter. It's superfluous. It's, uh, it's not going to make a, a difference unless you intentionally allow God to reach out to you uh, and you engage in a walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then your next, your next most important connection is the connection you have with yourself within yourself. It's your inner being, your inner spirit. That's the voice that talks to you. Many people confuse your voice with God's voices. And a lot of people say, God told me. But in many, many ways, it's you talking to yourself uh, of what you need to do is wake up, uh, sober up, change. Look at what you're doing to yourself in your relationships, to your home, uh, the dynamics. And a lot of people um, uh, abuse that voice. And they say, God told me, God told me, God told me. And that's probably mostly not true. I, God does speak to our hearts and our lives. He speaks often. But it's so great that when somebody gets connected to God and you know the word of God, pretty soon you begin to distinguish God's voice from your voice, uh, his spirit from your spirit. How many say amen? Right after that, that those connections, without those connections, um, it is a... Uh, you're, you're not going to succeed in your endeavors and your uh, mission on this earth. Uh, the second is those uh, uh, relationships that God has put near and dear to you. Uh, beginning in your home, if you're married, uh, if you're in a home with parents, uh, those that home relationships connection. Life just doesn't count. Life does ha doesn't have meaning. If in home there is dysfunction, if there is disorder, if there is chaos, if there is anger, if there is yelling, screaming, uh, if there's jealousy, if there's envy, if there, the relationship between a couple is not healthy. 
then the relationships with those children are unlikely to be healthy as well. You'll struggle in areas that you, you'll never be able to overcome if your home um, is not inhabited by the presence of God and then by the principles of the Word of God. So, so I want to just remind you that those are the connections that are the most important because life is, loses its meaning, its purpose. Never, ever, ever believe the lie. Never, ever abandon um, your... Um, your love for life, no matter what's crumbling around you, no matter if you're struggling in your spiritual walk, if, you're, if you loathe yourself, if you understand or if you are not able to forgive yourself and let God to forgive you, forgive yourself. There's some people that struggle with guilt and condemnation. And that already is a big faux pas right there. It's a trap. And then if you struggle at home in your relationships, in your marriage, uh, with your wife, your husband, in your relationships with your kids, don't give up. Um, just, and don't look at someone else and say, they're the problem, she's the problem. Uh, no, begin, uh, begin with yourself. Uh, begin to trust God, God's word. Uh, do spiritual and renewal. Uh, engage in growth. And if you grow, God will help you. God will give you the wisdom to, to be able to, to handle, manage uh, the other relationships that are very, very critical for moving forward. But I, I just sense that somebody or there's people here that when those relationships are uh, um, run aground with God, with yourself, or with your inner uh, circle, a lot of times God, uh, the enemy will put thoughts in your life or in your mind about your life not being worth living or I don't want to live I know I and and then I just sense that there's people that struggle with suicidal thoughts and don't don't embrace them don't go there uh, it is it is um, it is the most selfish act somebody can ever think of because they're just thinking of themselves and their suicidal thoughts as you're thinking of hurting somebody that's hurt you as a as a way out and then there are the relationships or the connection that God has for you because most of us are one connection, one relationship away from, from like, like having a breakthrough in your job, in your place, in your school, in your workplace. You're one connection, one phone call, well, one uh, that could be a connection that's a, a domino connection. It might have been that, that is peripheral in nature. In other words, it's indirect. But a lot of us are, you're just one step, one relationship, one connection from having that breakthrough, that next promotion, the job, the mission, the vision, uh, or the reason that God's put you to a, in great part here on God's green earth. Then it's your connections that have to do with your purpose, your mission in life, why God created you, your gifts that God has given you, um, what, what you like, your passions, your felt needs, uh, your giftings. Uh, one of my greatest giftings is that I'm good looking. Uh, it is a burden uh, to carry that gift of being good looking. Uh, thank you. And then having some kind of very strange humor. That's a gift too. Like it's an oddball, like a dry humor. Sometimes it works, sometimes it boomerangs really badly. Uh, but it's a burden. Uh, but, but your gifts, the Bible says that a man's gift, a woman's gift will make place for them. It will bring you in front of important people. It will get you promoted in your job. I'm talking about connections and about daring, daring to reconnect, dare to connect, dare to move beyond the periphery, not just outside the box. Get outside the map. Move beyond the pale. Do things that you've never done before, but, but, have, but have spiritual audacity, a spiritual audacity to say enough is enough. 
I'm going to trust God for more. And if you're going to trust God for more, you need to dare. You need to do more. You need to, to get outside the map uh, and, and uh, begin to journey uh, where you've never gone before, especially in your relationship with God. And then there's the connections that God is making that are beyond uh, your normal circumstances. Uh, the last two Sundays, or last Sunday, we talked. Uh, we were, it was Father's Day, and we talked about the um, we talked about the father, the uh, the the character, the qualities of this of this father. Uh, and so let me let me go to today's message, which is a story of two bad sons, two bad sons. We're going to talk about the 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 prodigal son, but also the older son, because those two entities, those two spirits, those two dynamics. Uh, those two uh, um, um, personalities uh, are in all of us. The personality to go rogue, the prodigal, or the personality that we are like, like we are, um, you know, tr- a true, we're, we're righteous, we are straight, uh, we are churchgoers, and yet in your heart, most of us don't know the prejudice that lies in your heart uh, toward other people that, that you consider failures, that you might see as lazy, that you might consider uh, antithetical to what you believe. And yet there's a rejection there. Uh, there's we, a lot of us, despite somebody that's from a different creed or different background, different religion, uh, or different persuasion, different politics. And a lot of us, we traffic uh, in areas of the older sibling, the older brother, the self-righteous, uh, that I got it together and they don't and they need to pay a price. And I'd like to ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this story of two bad sons and one a righteous you know, uh, father, the one good father. And uh, last week we talked about fathers, parents. The way, that the, the way that the father dealt with his sons is that he gave them the gift of struggle. I want to just remind everybody that as parents, it's easy. Linda and I, oh, Linda just, she was right here, but she left. I was just beginning to preach to Linda, and I was thinking, God, help me, uh, use me this day to speak to my wife. And then she walks right out, which, uh, pray for us, okay? I'm being facetious. Um, but a lot of times, the parent and us, we, 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 we just rescue our kids way too often, way too easy, way too premature. And the father in this story gave both of their sons the gift of struggle, especially that prodigal son. Instead of going after him, rescuing him, helping him, sending a private you know, detective, somebody to watch out, somebody to give him money on the periphery, he let him struggle uh, because he knew that the son knew his way home. How many say amen? The son knew the way home. Uh, and uh, the second thing is the gift of initiative. A lot of times we wait too long for something to brew, for something to stew, for something to just, and you know it's wrong, uh, sister, you're, the wife in you, the, the, the mother in you knows something's wrong, but we're, we fear confrontation. We're, we haven't developed those coping skills, spiritual coping skills, to, to how to have conversations, to look for the right time, to talk to the husband, husbands, to talk to our wives and say something's not wrong, uh, uh, or something's not right, something's wrong here. Um, I, I, I sense our relationship is cold. Uh, maybe it's tangential. Maybe our relationship, something's missing. And it's okay. Uh, let me tell you, every relationship goes through episodes, uh, through trials, through seasons, dry seasons, through plateaus. And sometimes we overreact. And I pray that nobody here overreacts or overimagines. But a lot of times, you know in your spirit when conversations, when communication is scant, um, 
problems brew and they get bigger. They, they get out of proportion when you and I are not wise in, in those communications. So the gift of initiative is, uh, the, and this gift goes with a little g. All the other gifts are capital G, I just noticed. And thank you. So this is the little gift. It's just, uh, sorry. Uh, just, uh, I'm just, never mind. I was just, I just want somebody to feel bad. That's all. Um, and it probably is going to get corrected like right now, but it's okay. But, but the gift of initiative is saying this, watch, is the gift, the gift of initiative is saying, I'm going to do my part as soon as I need to, as soon as I can, uh, I'm going to take initiative. And that's what the father did. He saw the son walking at a distance, probably his silhouette. And he says, that's junior. I know junior anywhere. Uh, he's a little dirty smells. I could smell him already. Right. That's the smell of my son. And he took the initiative and he ran. The son was trying to explain things and he says, never mind, no need to explain. Uh, you know, get the robe, bring the ring, bring the shoes, um, you know, kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate my son that was lost, has been found, he was dead, and he's alive. How many say amen? So the gift of initiative, yeah, yeah let's give the, the Lord a clap offering. It's more important than what we think. It's more important, pa parent, dad, mom, uh, brother, sister, young man, young lady, the, the gift of initiative or taking the initiative is more important before things get really bad um, and before things get, um, um, you know, quite tense or, and, and uh, toxic. And then the third was the gift of grace. Uh, basically, he didn't have, make them pay. You know, you need to, rec where's my money? You're going to work for the rest of your life to pay me back. That's what probably I would do. I've already done it with my kids. I remind my kids how expensive they are every week. No, never mind. See, that's what, that, I, Linda left. Uh, so now that was like, it was not necessary. I'm, I'm being facetious. But most of us make people pay. We have a vindictive side. Uh, we have like, you owe me. Like, like you never, you know, you never, you were never grateful for, and especially with our kids. Uh, and, and this is not the father toward the younger brother or the younger son or even the older son that we're going to talk about today. Uh, one of the great things about this story is that Jesus is talking to Pharisees and uh, uh, teachers of the law. That's what the Bible says in the first verse or two verses is that Jesus was sitting. He was communion. He was fellowshipping, the Bible says, with tax collectors and with sinners. Here it is. So tax collectors are the scum of the earth for in the Jews' mind. Uh, they are the worst of the worst. And so, so Jesus is, is fellowshipping with um, these tax collectors considered the worst of all the sinners. And then there are the professional sinners, the traitors. Um, they are prostitutes, murderers, adulterers, drunkards, thieves, liars, and O-Ader haters. <laughs> you have to be an O-Ader to know what that means. Uh, my wife and I lived for, for quite a few, for a while, on Decatur. Thank you. That's when I first saw the word, I thought it was Decatur because I have a French lineage. I come from French. <laughs> and my wife really gently, she goes, honey, I, I think it's called the Decatur. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the, the, the teachers of the law, and they're uh, a plum. They're beside themselves. Why is it that Jesus, a rabbi who, or a teacher, is hanging around sinners? 
Uh, why did he hang around the, the murderers, the adulterers, the prostitutes, the drunkards, and especially the tax collectors? And they were just beside themselves as though Jesus to try and remind them that the Son of Man came to undo the works of the enemy, that Jesus came to seek and to find that which was lost. The lost is at the heart of, should be at the heart of every church. And I think that's why sometimes the church fails. We fail because we begin to, to preach to the choir and, and want everyone to have a great experience at church, and we do. But a lot of times we don't leave with a sense of mission, with a sense of purpose. We go right back to our normal routines and that have very little to do with God's plan, purpose, mission, uh, and, and, and reason why he created you. We go back to trying to be successful or prosperous or trying to make our way, trying to pay bills, which are very, very important. But I believe we can do both and. And so Jesus tells them this story. It's a tri-level, it's a, it's a tri-story or a three-tier story that Jesus begins to, to share with them and, um, and uh, reveals. So Jesus wanted to speak to the Pharisees in, in, and, and to the, the, the teachers of the law. Um, and, um, and so why is Jesus so interested in talking and connecting with sinners of all kinds, of all backgrounds? And so that's what Jesus takes the time and the, the trouble, if you will, to explain. And so he does it through these small stories, these parables, within a parable, within a parable. And all three of them are connected. Uh, the lost sheep uh, is, is, is that all of us tend to wander. And we wander off, we get lost, we get injured, and uh, Jesus is willing, God is saying, and he's talking about the Son, the mission and the ministry of the Son. And the Son came, and he's willing to leave the 99 to go after um, the one, to go after the one. And so we have a, one, a 99 to one ratio, or, or 100 to one. And what Jesus is saying to the, to the Pharisees and to the teachers of the law is that everyone counts. That no matter if you're the one, God is willing to go to extraordinary measures to make sure that you are brought back to his saving grace and to the fold and to God's plan. How many say amen? You count. It doesn't matter. 99 are in. You're the one that's struggling. Um, and God says you count. And then we have the, the parable of the coins. There's 10 coins, silver coins. Uh, somehow it gets lost in the home, inside the church, or inside your home. Uh, sometimes there are people that are lost, um, that don't look lost, but they are lost inside. You feel like a lot of us, some of you, or some of us don't feel like you even belong in your own home. You're, you're, you feel like a stranger. You feel lost. Your wife, your, your husband, your daughters, your sons. And you're feeling like, what am I doing here? And there's a lostness that it's possible to even be at church and be lost. You report on Sundays, um, and or you're a giver, you're a tither, I hope and pray, uh, and yet you're lost. It could be inside, and uh, this widow um, begins to, it turns on a lamp and begins to search and sweep the house until she finds the coin, and both of them celebrate, both uh, the shepherd and the widow, that, that which means that you have value. It's a 10 to one ratio. It means not only that you count, a 100 to one ratio, but 10 to one that you have value. God sees you as valuable and that you may be a Christian or been coming to church, but, but maybe you're lost in terms of your purpose. You're not sure, you're not engaged, you're not doing life groups, you're not doing life with others, um, you're not growing, you haven't gone through next steps. 
Uh, and and just, just, this, just this is an, a word of encouragement. Don't be that lost coin, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit that the widow, uh, the woman is, is a symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The shepherd is Jesus. And then we have the father, uh, the story of the two lost sons. The first verse, by the way, verse uh, um, 17 starts with a man had two sons. A man had two sons. So there's a, there's a prodigal in all of us. There's an older uh, brother in all of us. And so there's a conflict. There's a, there's a pull, if you will. Uh, when, the, when the young, uh, the prodigal, the older, the younger brother comes to the father and says, he demands, give me. Give me my inheritance. It was an insult. It was a slap in the face. It is basically telling the father, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. I want what is mine. I want it now. Um, and he forced the father's hand. Most fathers, uh, myself included, would probably say no, um, you know, and, and, you know, look for a way to, to deal with that situation, and, but, but not surrender the kid's, you know, um, inheritance. Most of us know inherently that the younger somebody is, the more naive or the more, uh, let's say, selfish somebody is, the, the, that stuff, money, is only going to help destroy somebody prematurely. But the father did something that was counterintuitive. I want to say that again. The father, your God, my father, does something counterintuitive. For example, he's given us all the greatest gift after salvation. The greatest gift is, is free will. Free will. Libre albedrío. So you get to choose. And, and the father set up these laws, spiritual laws, that are, that are the laws of sowing and reaping. Uh, no one can mock God. Nobody can take advantage of God. Nobody is going to laugh at God. Nobody is going to win. Uh, for, for whatever a man or a person sows, whatever you do, that's what you're going to reap. If somebody is selfish, if somebody is uh, you know, dishonest, if somebody is a, a trickster, advantageous, somebody just, uh, you are a swinger, uh, you are uh, clandestine by day and by night, uh, you're uh, duplicitous, uh, you think you're getting away with something, nobody knows who you are or what you're doing, nobody, absolutely nobody mocks God. Whatever a person sows, uh, that's what's going to come back to him or to her. Those that sow to the flesh, from the flesh they will reap corrupption. They will get paybacks. Your, your, canup, your comeuppance will happen to you and me. But those that sow to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, from this, this life that you're feeding, the spiritual man, the spiritual woman, uh, you will reap eternal life. Spiritual things uh, will be your, your inheritance. My point is that, that he begins to engage in the story of the, of the two sons. And he, the larger part is about that son that, that waits and spends everything. And I'm going to share some thoughts here. Um, right before I, I give you the, you know, I'd like for just, just we give out these um, outlines for you to just write some notes. On the back, you can write some of uh, my awesome statements that, uh, that minister to your life. Uh, but there's an outline here for you to reread or use it for a Bible study in the future. And I, I hope, and right before I go to point number one, I was, as I was praying about the prodigal in all of us, not only a prodigal, but the, the, a righteous, a holier-than-thou older brother that doesn't care for the lost, doesn't care for the brother, doesn't care the way the father celebrates the lost um, and, but I just want to, um, I was, I wrote some things for most of us, for all of us, some, just some real quick lessons that all of us can take to heart about, um, about being a prodigal, 
Um, and the first one that I wrote here just for, for all of us, or for maybe for me, is that uh, be careful not to be easily offended. Be careful. If you're somebody that takes umbrage and you get offended real quickly, if you are very temperamental, uh, you get angry and, and you, 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 um, you, know, you tend to, to be thin-skinned, that's not a good quality. Uh, you're somebody that at work, at place, at your home, the wife, the husband, the kids, or the, your, your, and then immediately when somebody pushes a button, you tend to react. That's the son that immediately, he was like, he was offended. He was offended with the father. He was offended with both brothers. I have no doubt that both, brother, uh, both brothers were at odds. And people that get easily offended um, are easily um, wander. They, they, they wander. They easily get off track. You do things. You say things. You begin to engage in rhetoric that is offensive because you took umbrage. Uh, you took offense at somebody maybe that didn't say something. Maybe somebody said something or maybe they, sh they should have said something, but nobody recognized you. So all of us need to improve on, uh, work on improving your emotional and your uh, health and your IQ, your, your, in your intellectual, your, your emotional intelligence, your emotional intelligence, uh, not just your emotional health but your emotional intelligence. Uh, some time ago, I came up with just, uh, I was reading, I was reading a book about emotional intelligence, and this person was saying that IQ, your, your intellectual intelligence, comes from God. There's very little you can do about that. But your emotional intelligence could be something that can improve. Like if you get angry, if you get sad, if you're like in a roller coaster, you're, you're up and you're down, you get depressed and then you're all high or very, you get easily happy. Uh, you spend when you shouldn't be spending. That's because you don't have emotional intelligence or maturity. And that person tends to, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you emotionally get betrayed. And so... So IQ, which is your intelligence, and your EQ, which is your emotional intelligence, and your RQ. Your RQ is your relational intelligence. Most of us struggle in those two middle, the emotional intelligence and relational or social intelligence. And that's where we bog down. That's why you don't get promoted. Uh, that's why you have struggle at work. That's why you struggle in your relationships. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. It's these two middles. The, it's not so much your IQ, because a lot of us, God has made us decently intelligent. There's like enough there to work with, to move beyond. But a lot of us struggle and you've not made your relationships count. Your relationships are a mess. I'll say that again. I don't mean to hurt anybody. But, but, but you've not cultivated, you've not really dug down deep in what triggers you. Why do you become so angry when you become so angry? And why do you hurt people around you? Why do you react the way you do? And I'm not saying it's an easy fix because it's not because we're all, uh, we, we all have already our personalities bent, uh, you know, already, um, you know, built in. But I'm telling you, can you help me just play a little something so I sound more spiritual? Thank you. I'm not going to finish earlier, but it'll help me. A lot of these people are falling asleep anyway, and they need, they, they need, but, but watch, not, not that loud. Just, just watch. So ask yourself, how are your relationships? And I, I, I promise you, it's just this, you have IQ, and at the other end, you have what is called SQ, spiritual intelligence. This, this is what governs, this is the, the master control right here. But in between, you have emotional intelligence and relational or social intelligence. 
And so would you bow your heads? I want to pray right now. I, I want to pray. I know that there's a message here, uh, but I want to pray. I, I think some of us, most of us have bogged down. We're, tra we're trapped. We're in trouble. Um, you, you, you're, you're not going to go to the next level of ministry, of life, of, of, until you go to the next level in your relationships. The ability to build relationships where there's trust and there's truth and transparency and transcendency. Uh, the ability to hang in there and grow and become much, much more even keel so that you don't overreact every time somebody uh, offends you. That's what happened to this young guy. That's, what ha that's why he left. He left offended. Father, give me what belongs to me. I'm out of this place. He's probably uh, offended that the dad didn't do anything maybe with the older son. Maybe the older son was, uh, was bullying him. It's, just, 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 it's wide open for interpretation. But the truth is, uh, this young man reacts in a way that was detrimental, detrimental, devastated. It doesn't matter if he came back and, and he came back and, and the father forgave them just like God, but just imagine the waste, the hurt, the pain, the struggles, He prostituted himself. He was out there uh, being taken advantage. Somebody took his money. He spent it in, in riotous living, in wild living, the Bible says. And, and all of it because he lacked, he lacked that center of gravity that is called emotional intelligence, the fear of God, and then the ability to, to build relationships for long-term success. Building relationships, identifying those relationships that are toxic, Uh, that are that will undermine um, God's intentions for your life. Uh, they're going to subterfuge God's blessings. They're going to basically take them away. They're going to you're going to struggle because you're not able to identify those relationships that are essential and those that you need uh, to uh, dispense with. And so, Father, I just pray, I just sense right now that you want to, at least if anything else, is to help all of us, all of us, be able to get more sanguine, become more steady, uh, just more focused on building those relationships or those skill sets. Uh, and I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want to just um, go back to the, back to the prodigal. Um, you need to resist with all you've got at, at allowing your pride and your presumption to drive the car, to drive your life. Don't let pride and presumptuous or presumptuousness, being presumptuous, don't let that be the driver. A lot of us, that's what drives us is pride. It's, it's we compare, we compete, we complain. And what's driving you is pride. You don't confess, you don't share, because you're not going to share, you know, you're not going to be open, you're not going to be honest, you're going to be sincere, because pride, what are they going to say? Uh, I don't want somebody to see me the way I really am. Pride and presumptuousness, or being presumptive, um, uh, because pride is a sin and presumptuousness is it's, its offspring. So don't be so quick to strike back. Don't be so quick to, to shield people that want to get close to you. Uh, or you're going to strike out on your own. You're going to prove everybody wrong because your pride says, I'm going to prove them wrong. That's what was happening with this young man. Uh, so don't rise up prematurely or presumptuously uh, against your parents, against your guardians, your gatekeepers, your guardrails. That's what happened with this, pre uh, with this prodigal. Uh, he, just, he just says, I'm out of here. 
against the people that loved him the most, his guardians, his gatekeepers, and his guardrails. Don't be so sure um, that you're right um, and that everyone else is wrong. Don't be so quick to strike the donkey. You say, Pastor, what is that? It's a mystery. It's a, something so brilliant, so deep, that don't be so quick to strike the donkey. There's an Old Testament story about a donkey and this, this preacher, this prophet, uh, called Balaam. It's a, it's a very powerful story. It's, it's a sobering story. It's in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. You can read it at home, the details. But in essence, uh, Moab, the king, Balak, um, wants, wants, some, uh, wants a shield, wants a defense against Israel. Israel is like, like just, just tearing up the land, beginning to, they're, they're conquering the land. And so he tells this prophet, this preacher, hey, come here. I want to bless you. I want to make you prosperous. I just need you to curse this people. I want you to stop them. And so he goes and, and God, you know, he says he's there and God speaks to him at night and God tells Balaam, don't go for no one can curse what I've already blessed. How many say amen? No one can curse that or the people or the person I've already blessed. Don't go. And that, so the next day when he says, I can't go, God's forbid me. A Balak, the king of the Moabite king, sends like a like like great important emissaries with a lot of gifts, and then with a, with a, with a promise of a big payday. And in his heart, Balaam wants to go. Balaam is thinking on the reward in his heart. And you know what God says when he saw that he wanted to? God, yes, your free will. I was talking about free will. So God doesn't stop him. He says, "Go. You want to go." You wanna, you wanna like, like confront the consequences of, of doing something that is wrong? So he says, go. And in the process, the Bible says that God's anger rose against him because he should have said, he should have said, like my son or daughter say, when they know that that what they're gonna do is selfish. I'm not gonna tell any names, but um, one one of my youngest daughters, I said, you can go sleep with your sister. You know, but the older sister, but the, nobody knows, nobody knows. You better, I, you better not rat me out, people. Because some of you guys, ooh, I can tell. You know, older sister, oh, I don't want you in my room, yada, yada, yada. I'm like mom. No, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's terrible. Oh, so, so she comes out, the younger sister comes out sad. And I said, Mita, what happened? Because I said, you can go, you know, go sleep in your sister's room because, you know, she comes out sad. And I go visit the, the other, the older sister that has a room for herself. And I said, Mijita, like, who gave you this room? This is a gift. You don't have rights. You don't, you know, it's not yours. It's just your, your mom wanted to baby you. And I go, Mijita, your sister, she's hurting. She looks up to you. She, she was thinking, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep with, with my sister. And I go, mijita, this is not your room for you to do that. Especially when I said she can come and sleep with you. So she gets tear-eyed. And I said, mijita, think about it. Just think about it. Do you know that she slept in the living room? She couldn't bear to sleep in the room. So she, when I got up at night, uh, checking, hey, oh, oh, where's this daughter of mine? I'm not going to mention her name because some of you will, will rap me out by name. 
help. Where is she? So I began to look for her. She took in her, she take she took her pillow and her her, her um, blanket, and she slept in the living room because she felt like like she couldn't, you know. And then I said, Mijita, I wanted you to sleep outside, not in the living room. <laughs> Just I was so disappointed that she didn't go to the other level. Of, of brokenness and repentance outside, mijita, not inside where you're protected from the elements. Thank you, thank you, people. I need some of you to pray for me because my humor is not good at all. I mean, it's just like way out there. I want to, I want to, I want, I want the Holy Spirit to work in all of our hearts. And what is it that makes you like, like go rogue, like this prodigal son, or make you feel more righteous? And so I want to finish. Oh, you guys are here already. God, God wants to speak to you for it. Praise God. So here it is. In your notes, here it, I promise you, this is like, you're going to be like, like, don't live as if God is dead. Don't live like, like if God's not watching. Like if God's not in the picture. A lot of us, like, we ignore. We, we go with our, our, our feelings or our, our flesh our impulses, we're out there doing things and you're taking something that doesn't belong to you, doing something, hurting someone. And, and it's, it's, it, it is as though your behavior uh, is such, like if God's not even there, like if God's not looking, like if God won't bring you into account, like if God is dead. That's like this prodigal said, you're dead to me. I want my, I want my money and I want it now and I'm out of here. And so a lot of us live that way. Um, the prodigal wanted independence, but lived a life that was bound. So independence is a head fake. Oh, I want to do my way. I want to do my thing. You're, you're making a big mistake. It's, it's a, a head fake. Nobody can live independent of God and be free. Nobody can say to God, you, you stay in your corner. I'm going to live my life and think that and think or believe that things are going to go well for you. It's, you're a, a, a disaster. It's going to be a, a wrecking, uh, just, just, uh, just a big mess, a wrecking ball that you're going to be experiencing in your life. Um, also, if the, the prodigal, if you will, lived for the moment. And many of us, right, we live now, live now, live now, and then lost everything. Live for the moment, came back decimated with nothing, empty, uh, um, just, just broken because there's a lot of us that live for the moment. We spend for the moment. We live that way. It's all about pleasure. You go from one party to the next, from one pleasure to the next, from one TV series to the next television series. And you, you go to sleep late at night after you're exhausted from television. You wake up, you go to work, you come back and you're back looking for where's my next uh, high, my next pleasure. Uh, because you're not engaged in developing and working and growing. You live for the moment. You live broke. You live paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. You owe more than you probably have in assets because you're living for pleasure. You're living for the moment. There are those like the older brother. God's blessed you. You have, you have a lot. You have plenty of, but you don't have peace. You don't have joy. You're, you're just, you're a complainer. You're somebody who mopes and struggles and the whole world's upside down and you're a pessimist. You're negative. Um, boy, this is not a good message uh, uh, for some of you. Um, in Hebrews, it says that Esau gave up everything, his birthright, 
for a lentil soup, for soup. Later on, he wanted it back. He wanted his birthright back. He wanted his blessing back. But he says, even if he begged for it, even he, he asked for it, he cried for it. He, he, he wanted through repentance to get it back. But he was rejected. Because there's a lot of times you can't get back your youth. You can't get back what you've lost. Your innocence or, or that, that reputation or your, your, um, uh, your um, you know, character. You can't get back your, your reputation. But you can work on it. You can work on it. Um, let me finish. Let me land this plane. There's turbulence, but I'm going to land it. So how do we deal with this in your life, in my life? Let me just... So we only tend to change when the pain of staying the same overcomes the pain of change, to change. So unfortunately, we tend, all of us, we tend, when we're scratching the bar, the bottom of the barrel, that's when a lot of us tend to say, okay, I'm in it. I need to change. Oh God, I'm losing my, fi my family, my wife, my husband. I'm losing my kids. I'm, I'm losing... Um, you know, these gifts, these opportunities, and most of us seek change when we're about to lose everything or when the pain, the pain of staying the same is, is greater than the pain that it takes or that is going to be uh, enacted um, when, you know, um, through change, when you need to change, that God is willing to forgive whatever you're willing to confess. God is willing to forgive whatever you're willing. So here comes the the, the prodigal son, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, make me your, your servant. Make me. Make me your servant. Uh, make me your servant. Um, here it is. Just for somebody who needs to read. To, to re he came to himself. The pain. Uh, the pigsty. The smell. The stench. The hunger. It made him come to his senses. And then he says, you know, the, even the hired servants, the, the slaves in my father's house have more than an abundance to eat. But here I struggle. He says, I will rise up and go to my father and I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. Make me. Another one says, treat me like your hired servant. When he left, he told his father two words. Give me. When he left arrogant and presumptuous and full of pride and vanity, um, hurt. Um, he says, give me. When he comes back, he says, make me. Just make me a servant, which is a world of a difference. And then um, if, you're, if you have your notes, don't live. This is the older son, the older brother, the older brother. Don't live uh, taking God for granted. Don't live taking God for granted. In your notes, if you have them, um, the older brother lived self-righteous and entitled. He took umbrage. He was offended that the father would receive the son so quickly, so readily, and then even celebrate him. Robe, ring, shoes. Fatted calf, let's party. Let's do it. And the Bible says that the older son was coming back and he hears that there's dancing and music. That's what it says. Music and dancing. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? And he says, you know, your younger brother is back. Your, and uh, your father is celebrating his return. And he became angry. The Bible says he was angry. He was upset at the father.
And that's how many of us get, perhaps, we become disillusioned when we see other people prosper that you perhaps don't believe. They say you should be blessed or prospered. And that's because there's an older brother, there's a Pharisee, there's, a legaliz there's legalism uh, in your heart and mind when it comes to other people being blessed, prospered, or celebrating life. Um, and um, which, which goes to prove that you can be home at your house or be at church and still be lost and still not be connected with the Father. You still don't know the heart of the Father toward the lost, toward the broken, um, the indigent, the poor, um, and those that are needing to be rescued. Um, and then thirdly and lastly, there in your notes, there to reconnect to your Father, uh, to your Father's heart for you. So dare to reconnect to your Father's heart for you, to, to, to connect, to reconnect with His plan for your life. Um, I'm going to go back to Balaam and finish this. Um, so Balaam was on his way to, in his mind, get a reward, and God's anger rose against him. And so he put an angel of destruction in front of his path, an angel was going to kill him, destroy him. And the Bible says that the donkey, a she-donkey, is able to discern and see the angel. And so she, the first time she went into the field, and the Bible says that he had very little emotional intelligence, and he begins to beat the donkey, and begins to beat it. So the donkey, he brings the donkey back to the path, and there was another narrow, straight um, that was narrow and um, the donkey sees the angel there with a sword that was going to kill his master, her master. And so the Bible says that she went through the corner and, 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 and injured his leg uh, because he was avoiding the angel. And again, Balaam takes his rod and begins to beat the donkey. Just beat. I want you to just think of... of and then the angel positioned himself where there was no way out. Just, just couldn't. The donkey was, had no other choice. You know what the donkey did, for those of you that know the story? The donkey sat on him. Just, just and then put her weight on him. And put, the donkey put herself between Balaam and the angel. And so he, here he's, he's not understanding the measures, the, how far a donkey was willing to go to save her master that was beating her, beating her. And, and that's the tank she gets. But because he's blind, he doesn't know he's losing everything. He doesn't know he's about to lose his family or her, her, her family or her, the blessings that God. Why? Because he's blind. He's after something. He wants moolah. He wants more. He wants to win. He's already seeing the reward, and the donkey sits on him. And so he begins to beat her. Like, and, then, and then the Bible says that God gave the donkey the ability to speak. How many donkey, I mean, how many people say amen? The Bible says that God gave that donkey the gift of speech. Read it, Numbers chapter 22. It's a powerful story when you get home. And the donkey says, why are you beating me? Guardrails. God has put guardians. God has put gatekeepers in your life. A mom, a dad, a pastor, a teacher, a small group, 
Uh, they're all there to say, don't. ¿Qué estás haciendo? ¿Qué estás haciendo? Is Hebrew for what are you doing right, in Hebrew? Because it's just thank you. It's just what are you doing? Why are you heading in that direction? Why, 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 why? And he begins to beat her. And you know, I don't know, but this is what bothers me about this story. They began to have an argument. Balaam begins to talk back to the... Now, if a donkey or a dog or a cat ever spoke to me, I'm running. I mean, I'm out of there. I know I'm holy. I know I'm a, a, you know, a prophet, a pastor, a man of God, a man of power, of faith. But I'm running <laughs> with everything I've got. I'm not going to be talking to no animal <laughs> that's talking to Amy. Would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads? So I don't know who God is speaking to and what you need to do to get your life right with God. And I don't know where you're going and your pride and your prejudice, your presumptuousness, your arrogance, your, just your, the audacity to defy God and to live a life like if God is dead, like if God is not looking. I don't know what we're thinking. And for those of us that are churchgoers, to live in such a way that we take God for granted, His great commission, His great commandment to love God and love others, and yet we ignore that, we take that for granted, we think that we're immune, we're exempt, because maybe you, you do things for God. But you don't know the, the heart of God, the heart of the Father. Because you and I, I've been raised in church, and it's after a while you can get... And get immune to the presence of God. You can become indifferent to the presence of God. And we take God's, His gifts, His mercies, His grace, His goodness, His greatness for granted. I don't know here. I, I just sense God's presence and God is trying to help all of us, help all of us get sober, become much more sanguine, get with it, get connected with God's plan and God's purpose for your life. So if you're here this morning, um, you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. You might not be saved and you're not sure if you're saved, but you might be saved, but you say, man, I'm saved, but I need to get back to God. I need to come back. I'm living a life that is not, I know that it's not pleasing God. I know that my life is not right with God. If that's you, just would you, every head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to just know who I'm praying with and for. Thank you, guys. Everybody else, anyone else, just thank you, man. Hands everywhere. You're just raising your hand, says, I'm done living the wrong life, the wrong lifestyle. I want to give God my life. I want to surrender. I want to get right with God. Hallelujah. So just as you're seated, just as you're seated, right, right there, everyone, somebody help me here. There's no place I'd rather Would you say it with me? Say, Lord Jesus. Church, say it with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender and I give up the right to live my life the way I want to. Forgive me. Help me live this life for you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive my pride and my arrogance and my indifference. Forgive me. Spirit of the living God, come into my life and change me. Transform me. Make me 
into a servant of God. Make me your servant. I want to live for you and give you my best. Through Christ Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering for all of you that prayed this prayer, saying, God, help us. God, help us. Help us. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the LifeHouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.